Welcome to the TurfNet Renovation Report, sponsored by Golf Preservations, the Greens Drainage Specialist. I'm Anthony Piappi, your host, and joining me today is Doug DeGrude, who is the outgoing Green Chairman of the Minicotta Club in Minneapolis. Welcome, Doug. Delighted to be here, Anthony, on the, uh, on the eve of the Open Championship, no less. I know, which is fantastic. Have you been to Carnoustie? Carnasty, I have not. It's on my list. Next year. Okay. <laughs> I've been. Um, leave your ego at home. Probably put the scorecard in your back pocket and don't write down numbers and have a blast. <laughs> That's why Scotch whiskey was invented. <laughs> now, for our for my listeners on our listeners, I want to give a little kind of background. This is this is something different than I normally do. I talk to superintendents and architects and builders and the like. But Minicot is is going through something very interesting that you spearheaded, and that's a regrassing of their fairways and their greens. And I know a little bit about Minicotta. I wrote your history book, as you know, um, the history of the Minicotta Club Golf Course. And you have a very well-regarded uh, superintendent in Jeff Johnson, and the conditions of your golf course are known far and wide as to be spectacular. Uh, you hosted the, the U.S. Senior Am last year, which was a uh, great success. So I want to talk about how how this whole idea came about to regrass a golf course in such great condition. Sure. Um, well, I'd start by saying that um, this just uh, didn't start, you know, a couple, two, three years ago. This has been uh, discussed. Uh, I mean, there are records of, of regrassing discussions going back almost 50 years at, at our club. And, uh, of course, you know, there's a lot of um, trepidation, angst about uh, tackling such a project because of the, uh, the, the time frame and, and having your club closed for an extended period of time. Um, long story short, um, about a decade ago, uh, we underwent a program try to convert from our predominant turf, which is uh, Poa Annua, to Bent. Uh, and we've, you know, we've currently got a mix of Poa and Bent on our greens and fairways. Uh, we underwent a program, um, some people know it as the Logan program, uh, and it's basically a... Uh, a herbicide program uh, that's meant to um, retard the uh, the growth of POA and allow the bent to take over. And um, uh, long story short, uh, after a couple of years of trying that, uh, it wasn't effective. And so we kind of let it go, and um, uh, our conditions didn't improve Um our turf isn't um, isn't terrible by any stretch. It's 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 quite good, especially in the morning, right after the grass has been cut and rolled. But in the afternoon, uh, you get a lot of uh, scuffed up old bent grass, and you got a lot of uneven poa surfaces. And um, there were a lot of uh, members who who wanted to fix it, and so we started uh, doing research. Uh, and learned about all kinds of clubs, uh, especially in Chicago, who had underwent uh, bent grass conversions within the past three to five years, uh, notably uh, Skokie Country Club. 
And we spent a lot of time talking to Don Cross, uh, who's their uh, uh, green superintendent. And um, they were doing a very simple conversion where they would shut the course down in uh, late July, um, kill the grass, uh, seed directly into the mat layer of the greens and fairways, and, um, uh, and then just water and fertilize and take advantage of those warm, sunny days, cool nights in the fall. And they were back open for business uh, the following uh, May, June. And uh, so we looked at that uh, time frame and the success that they were having, and we thought, boy, uh, we should take a look at this here at the Minicata Club. And is one of the reasons that, that you, I, I know you explained about uh, the old bents and getting scuffed up and bumpy with the POA, but was there also a problem with winter kill? I mean, you're in Minneapolis. Was your, was your POA getting banged up uh, through most of your winters? Yeah, about 12 years ago, we had um, um, complete loss of two greens, uh, which were closed the following spring. We had to tent them off and, uh, you know, pump warm air uh, underneath the tent and, um, and try to resuscitate them. Uh, so, yeah, winter kill... Uh, is a constant concern. Every year, when we take those covers off the greens, we're kind of we're kind of doing that with our fingers crossed. Right. Uh, we even had some um, uh, winter kill uh, coming out of this past winter uh, that still hasn't completely healed. Which is a surprise because it. I mean, it wasn't that bad of a winter for you guys, was it? It wasn't. Um, um, you never know, um, you never know how you're going to come out of it. You know, typically the problem is you get a, uh, decent amount of snowfall and it's cold. And then all of a sudden you get a major warm spell, uh, and thaw. And so then you get, uh, melting and you get, um, uh, water on your green and then you get a quick refreeze and that's when the plants are uh, susceptible to uh, desiccation. That usually happens around uh, here the week of the New England Turfgrass show. So all the superintendents <laughs> are in Providence and they're standing there knowing exactly that it's 65 degrees out, you know, in Portland, Maine and 70 and Old Saybrook, Connecticut. And they know that the forecast for the next two days is, you know, sub freezing with 40 mile an hour wind. So, <laughs> I'm familiar with that as a, as a lot of guys in the in the northern half of the country are. It's a pretty it's a it's it's nasty and you know it's coming and there's nothing you can do about it. That's right. And so w- when you decided to go forward with this, you, you told me that you this is the you're in the last uh, year of your three year stint as uh, chairman of the grounds committee. Yeah, actually, I just finished up uh, at the end of last year. Um, oh, okay. And so I've turned over the reins to uh, Pat Smith, uh, who's an excellent player at our club and who also uh, chaired the subcommittee that we established to uh, research and, and, and look into the feasibility of regrassing. 
but yeah, I definitely uh, I've got my share of uh, battle scars from the past two three years of uh, <laughs> of researching and uh, and selling this project into uh, the membership, which was no no small feat. I mean, it must be difficult to say to a membership, okay, we're gonna and you guys are shutting down relatively soon, right? Yeah, we're gonna shut down July twenty third. Uh, and, uh, we're, we're targeting reopening, uh, middle of June. So it's part of this cell. I mean, you tell me was the most difficult part trying to to tell people, look, we're going to take your golf course out of play in the middle of the season. That's certainly, uh, probably the biggest, uh, speed bump, uh, especially with uh, senior membership. Um, but, um, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a lot of things. There's the expense of it. Although in this case, the out of pocket is actually quite minimal. Um, you know, it's the cost of grass seed and, and, um, uh, you know, some, uh, herbicide, uh, expense, um, little bit of, um, little bit of uh, uh, dirt moving work because we're going to take uh, take this opportunity to, to fix a few greens while we're at it. Uh, but it's largely just time and labor, and it's just uh, the loss of revenue for the club with the right. uh, with the course being shut down for um, you know probably six months. And will Jeff and his staff be? Will they be the ones spraying out the greens? and the fairway, and then doing the overseeding or the reseeding? They will not be applying the herbicide. So Triest Ag, uh, which is a firm out of Pennsylvania, they will be handling the uh, basimid application for the, uh, for the greens, um, which is kind of an interesting process. It's a granular uh, product. Um, so you put it down and you water it uh, uh, to activate um, the fumigant, and then you cover it um, and keep it covered for seven days uh, while the fumigant works its way down uh, into the seedbed. And then you take the covers off, and uh, you've got a fumigated green. And then do you remove the dead turf? We are. uh, You don't have to. Uh, Skokie Country Club uh, is one example of many, actually, in Chicago, where they literally uh, just slip seeded directly into the dying mat layer um, of uh, the fumigated turf. Uh, But in our case, we are going to strip uh, that top mat layer, plus probably an additional inch or so. Uh, and then um, we have hired uh, Dunnock Construction Company to come in, and uh, all of our greens are uh, uh, laser leveled. So we've got uh, schematics of all of our green complexes. So they'll be able to um, add new uh, sand soil mix. Uh, and get it back to nearly 99% accuracy of, of what the uh, previous contours were. 
uh, and then we'll seed directly into that uh, sand soil composition. Cool. Yeah, those are great greens. I'm glad you're able to put them back like that. Yeah, no, that was really, really important. Um, you know, they're they're Donald Ross classics, most of them anyway. And right. um, that was something that uh, our membership definitely didn't want to uh, lose as a byproduct of uh, the regrassing. Right. I want to talk to. I want to talk a bit about how you sold this to the membership. But right now, I want to take a quick break from our sponsor. And we'll be right back after this. From green drainage to sod work, Gaunt Preservations can handle your project with ease and give you the peace of mind to know the professionals are caring for your valuable golf course assets. Visit GauntPreservations.com or call 606-499-2732 to talk to us directly about your next project. Okay, we're back on the TurfNet Renovation Report and my guest is Doug DeGroot. Am I pronouncing your name right? Uh, pretty close. DeGrood. DeGrood. Okay. So so you're in the advertising business. You know how to get a message across. Tell me about when this, when you actually first brought this to the membership for the first time, this idea for this regrassing of, you know, the Minicata Club and, and what your message was to them. Sure. Well, you know, when we approached this initially, um, and when I reached out to Pat Smith to say, hey, would you, uh, would you be willing to you know, chair the subcommittee and work with me to uh, explore this possibility, we went into it with eyes pretty wide open. We didn't necessarily have a bias, although you know, we, uh, we felt like our greens were pretty darn good, but they could be a lot better. Um, so we did our homework and uh, we found a number of unbelievably compelling arguments and benefits uh, of regrassing. And, and we thought, you know, if we're, if, if we're persuaded by this and if we find this compelling, uh, our membership should find this compelling as well, as long as we communicate it properly and thoroughly. One of the things that, you know, Jeff Johnson, your superintendent, told me was if when this happens, when this is regressed, it's going to greatly reduce inputs on the on the greens, whether that be uh, chemicals or water. Was that part of the message to the membership? Huge part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, beyond the obvious uh, surface improvements, um, you know, just having a great uniform surface. Um, the environmental benefits are, are, are overwhelming and in some ways kind of a no-brainer. We figure that we will cut our uh, fertilizer costs in half. We will cut our, our fungicide costs in half. Uh, we'll probably cut our water usage almost in half. Uh, you know, you maintain a bent grass surface much drier um then you do poa you know and currently we're managing for poa and bent um and you know every every green complex is slightly different uh, on our golf course currently so it's almost like managing 18 different ecosystems uh they all have different you know requirements for sun shade amount of fertilizer uh, amount of fungicide etc cetera, etc cetera. And so by just managing for bent, uh, we're going to greatly simplify our maintenance practices 
and um, dramatically reduce the amount of inputs in terms of uh, chemicals uh, and water and labor. So, uh, you know, the, the net net is we figure we'll save conservatively uh, 50 grand a year in out-of-pocket costs. That's amazing. And what, and what if, do you guys have a number? And can you tell it to me of what you think this whole regressing will cost? Uh, the out-of-pocket, you know, uh, for all the work we're doing, and again, we're, you know, we're hiring an outside service to apply the basimid fumigant on the greens. Uh, we'll apply our own seed, uh, so that's not really out-of-pocket, other than the seed cost. Um, you know, fertilizer, um, a little bit of uh, contouring work uh, from Dunnock. Uh, you're talking about um, in the neighborhood of uh, three, four hundred thousand dollars. Right. So in ten years, you can pay, less than ten years. You can play. You can pay this back with the savings. Yeah, it, it, it definitely covers the out of pocket in that amount of time. Uh, you know, it doesn't quite cover the out of pocket of lost revenue from shutting the course down. Right. Um, but long term, uh, if you look at the ROI, in, in, in our minds, it was kind of a no-brainer. So wh- when did you bring this formally to the membership? Um, we announced that we had formed this uh, exploration uh, initiative uh, about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And then um, uh, we did uh, a number of site visits. Uh, we did a number of tests on our own golf course. Uh, we uh, stripped and reseeded a portion of one of our fairways with about five, six different seed types uh, to see um, which would perform best uh, on our golf course. And we ended up um, really gravitating towards uh, 007 bent grass. And um, we also uh, stripped a portion of our practice putting green. Uh, actually, we didn't strip it. We just um, uh, we hit it with basimid and then seeded directly into the mat layer. And um, that was done a year ago, uh, last August. And um, when we saw it this spring coming out of winter, when we took the covers off, it was unbelievable. Uh, we posted pictures on our website. Uh, Jeff Johnson um, shared uh, those pictures via Twitter and social media. Uh, and at that point, you know, people really kind of had an aha moment that uh, you know this is uh, this is really going to uh, be a tremendous benefit to our golf course. And Jeff was telling me you went with the 007 on greens and you went with dominant extreme seven blend in the uh, in the fairways. And you because of your restoration that you did uh, 2002, 2003, you had you had resodded or sodded your tees with putter. So there was no reason to to do any work on the tees. Yeah, we're not doing any work on the tees other than uh, re-leveling a, a, a few that have uh, sagged over the years. Um, but the turf itself on our tees is still excellent and nearly or virtually uh, POA-free. 
And and what was the major pushback from the members that that voted or or opposed to this regressing? What did, what did they what did they voice to you? You know, in the various meetings that you had. Well, as we discussed already, the, you know, the first pushback was just you know losing the golf course uh, for an extended period of time, and unfortunately. Uh, you know, no matter how many times you told people that, hey, look, we can do this by shutting down in August and um, very possibly uh, reopening in, in June or July at the latest. Um, you know, so you're only talking about losing August, September, October. You know, we have a, still have a pretty decent October here in Minnesota. And then the following April, which is kind of sketchy here, May, and then, and then part of June. So you're really not shut down or out of a golf course for that, that long. But and no matter how many times you told people that, you know, they still jump to conclusions that, oh, we're going to lose our golf course for a year or more. Right, right. Uh, so that was, that was, you know, easily, uh, uh, you know, the biggest pushback, um, the, the second biggest pushback was, uh, you know, we don't need this, that, you know, um, really the, the, the POA and the bent and all the different grasses are greens. It's really only an aesthetic uh, issue. Um, you know, people just didn't appreciate the fact that um, um, you can achieve greens that are much easier to maintain, uh, perform better, uh, look better. Uh, so for some people, it was just sort of a perceived lack of need. I would say those are probably the two biggest uh, pushbacks. Actually, uh, I take that back. Uh, <laughs> in second place, uh, the, the, the pushback was the number of trees uh, that we would need to remove in order for this bent grass conversion to be successful. Uh, as you know, you know, bent grass requires um, adequate sunlight, especially morning sunlight, which is most beneficial for photosynthesis. And, uh, um, you know, we, uh, we've got a lot of trees. We've got a lot of very mature hardwood trees and um you know i don't think we need to go into how emotionally charged that subject can be i mean that could be a subject of 10 right. more podcasts <laughs> i you know i think we need to put this in perspective though when i was writing the history it it was amazing going through how uh, going through the the board of governors minutes of how many trees you had i believe and i think it's in i have it in the book is in the 19 late 1980s early 1990s there's a board of governors minutes note that you can no longer accept any donations or for like ceremonial trees because minicata was out of places to plant trees that's how over that golf course oh absolutely was. you know and we weren't alone i mean you know that was kind of the fashion sure was and and you've done since the ron pritchard restoration you guys have done a fantastic job of of taking down trees, of reopening or, or reinstituting those whole quarters that Donald Ross and, and before him, uh, Tom Bendelow had established on that golf course and getting these vistas and these playing quarters to, to be where they're supposed to be. Absolutely, yeah. Not, not only is it um, absolutely essential for, uh, for growing 
great turf, but you know what what people generally experience when you when you remove a tree isn't you know where'd the tree go uh, the reaction is usually wow uh look at the vista that's been opened look at the amazing topography that i'm now able to kind of take in and enjoy uh, and obviously wow look at how much better the grass is right right and and i had played your course before a lot of trees were taken down and i played it after and and having been away, even, you know, it's not that I knew the golf course. It was amazing the difference to me. So I can imagine to your membership and to people who are there regularly, you know, what it, you, you, it was, it essentially became a different golf course. Well, it absolutely did. Um, you know, we took down well over three, 400 trees uh, in conjunction with the Pritchard restoration in 2002. Uh, and, you know, and obviously that was significant, but we still have well over 1100 trees on our property. Uh, and it's a relatively small footprint. Um, and so, uh, you know, we hadn't gone far enough, frankly. Um, we were a little behind the tree curve and, um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the bent grass conversion just wasn't going to be successful uh, if we couldn't get membership to agree to removing uh, select trees uh, around greens and, and, and fairways. So we identified uh, about 80 trees uh, last summer that would need to come down uh, in order for this project to be successful. And a lot of these trees were, were you know, mature 80, 100-year-old trees. Uh, and so you can imagine how emotionally charged that was. Um, and, you know, we, um, we decided to just uh, be very kind of transparent and forthright with it. Um, and some people thought we might regret it, but we did actually tie ribbons uh, to all those trees to let people know you know, these are the trees that are going to need to be removed uh, in order for this project to be successful. Um, and, of course, it was very polarizing. And uh, when it came to a club vote, uh, it, it, it passed by a scant 12 votes, uh, oh, over 800 members voting. Wow, I did not realize it was that close. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, and and the, I, I, you know, I should probably we should probably mention this about Minnesota that the lineage or the history that you have there is quite amazing. Um, you hosted a you hosted a U.S. Open won by in 1915 won by Chick Evans. When yeah, he was 1916. I mean, excuse me, 19. I wrote the history book and I get the year wrong. 1916. <laughs> um, you got a you have Bobby Jones winning an amateur there. Yep. You have a Curtis Cup, a Walker Cup. This U.S. Senior Am, you've hosted Western Opens, and 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 it's too bad because you're you have you're landlocked on three sides, and you have you have it's Lake Calhoun on the other side. You're never going to be a a site again for you know any kind of major that we would think of on the USGA level, you know, or or a PGA Championship. But it's quite the golf course, and so having that some of those trees that have been there since that since Bobby Jones and Chick Evans walked that property i can understand the trepidation in taking it down but it's still the fact is it's still an over golf course um 
Yeah, you know, it's that's obviously a matter of opinion amongst our membership, but uh, yeah, there's a growing uh, there's a growing appreciation that you know what the golf course is better uh, when some of these trees come down. Um, as I mentioned, we took down um, those 80 some trees that were required to move forward with the project uh, last fall uh, in winter, and already this um, this spring and summer. The turf quality on uh, on the greens and fairways uh, where those tr- trees were removed has improved immensely. Um, just the amount of sunlight that's uh, that's hitting them, um, uh, it's just made an amazing difference. Yeah, the last time I w- when I was there a few years ago and I walked it with Jeff, he was still showing me some areas where you know, while we were standing there, there were trees casting shadows onto greens or large portions of fairways. And it was obvious that those were going to be his, or those were his problem spots. So I'm glad to hear that, that the membership has this, you know, and you were able to get this point across to them that taking down trees is, is about the health of the turf. It is. And, you know, it's not just on greens, it's on fairways too. Um, you know, we we would always have a number of areas uh, and shady spots on fairways where you'd have a preponderance of uh, worm castings, uh, particularly in the fall, and 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 everybody thought that those were like bare, you know, m- muddy bear patches, and it's like no, um, those are worm castings, and it, it's so bad in those areas because it's so shaded. If you're an earthworm, where do you want to live? And uh, <laughs> so, but by by removing those trees, uh, those areas of the fairways have have improved uh, dramatically. Now, you also talked about you're going to do some contouring on greens. You have really two sets, right? You have the original nine holes that, and then there was nine holes added. When when Bendelow came in and did the expansion, so how did what what led to re to doing contouring on on these some greens that date back to 1900? Sure. Well, uh, in most cases, um, it's simply to fix uh, some drainage issues. Um, you know, over over the course of time, you get some settling or you know slight. Uh, evolution from from mowing patterns and whatnot, and so um, you know there are a couple of greens that just had some minor bird bath uh, pooling issues when it rains hard or uh, as the snow uh, melts and thaws. Uh, so we're fixing those, um, and then there are just a couple other greens that um, uh, there was a strong desire from from membership and, and the grounds committee to just subtly tweak some of the contours to uh, provide for uh, more hole locations. Uh, there were okay. a couple of greens, 13 in particular, which is a two-tier green. Uh, and the upper tier is very, very narrow, uh, and it slopes away from you. Uh, oh, so, right, sure, yep, yep. Yep, very difficult to, um, to hold a wedge shot uh, up there. Uh, and not that we wanted to make it play easy or easier, uh, but we did uh, uh, want to make it a little more fun, playable. And so we're going to extend that upper tier by about six feet. 
just to provide for some uh, more generous uh, whole locations. And do you have an architect involved in this process? We sure do. Uh, we have been working for the past couple of years with uh, Kyle Franz, um, who uh, I had found out about about three years ago. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, mid pines and pine needles down in Southern Hills, uh, North sure. Carolina. Uh, yep. I've been going there for uh, over 20 years. And um, he had spearheaded a uh, renovation at Mid Pines, uh, which is one of my favorite golf courses, also an old Donald Ross track. And um, he was awarded uh, Restoration of the Year uh, by Golf World Magazine, I believe. And so I reached out to Jeff Johnson, our super, and I said, hey, you know this guy? And he said, it's funny you asked me that because I just started following him yesterday on Twitter. And so we struck up a conversation and, um, you know, he came out to uh, 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 visit the golf course. And it turns out he had been here before and um, was very familiar with the golf course and very familiar with Ron Pritchard's work, big fan of, of, of Ron's and, and his restoration work. And so um, we had a couple of small projects um, uh, that we needed some help on. And so we enlisted Kyle, uh, who did an amazing job with, with both of those and um, has kind of grown into our ongoing, um, uh, you know, golf course design architect uh, consultant. And, and was there an, I, a move to bring Ron Pritchard back or... I know Ron's older now and slowed down with his business and all that, but he his his work restoring your golf course is you know extremely good. Um, oh, spectacular! Yeah, spectacular. No, as you put it, um, it was really uh, born more out of uh, uh, Ron's uh, schedule and availability, uh, and the fact that you know moving forward for the next. 10, 20 years, we thought it would be uh, a good idea to uh, align, uh, you know, with someone who could, uh, you know, ride shotgun with us um, as the club moves forward. Because, uh, as you know, golf courses are not static things. They're, they're, they're living organisms and they, they, need, uh, they need to evolve over time just as the game evolves over time. Yes, they do. Well, it's been very interesting talking to you. I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing how this project goes. I, you know, I stay in touch with Jeff quite often. I'm looking forward to seeing the photos and, you know, seeing what this golf course looks like in June of next year. Yeah, we are too. Really excited, and um, you know, boy, if we can achieve anything like what we uh, uh, experienced when we went to go visit. Skokie Country Club and Oxmoor and, and, and many of the other fine Chicago classic clubs that have done uh, similar type uh, bent grass conversions. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a home run. Um, you know, just uh, in a lot of respects, I feel like our membership, uh, uh, if, you know, if they haven't been to one of these courses uh, that's done a bent grass conversion, they just, they just don't know what they're missing. Right, and I and I'm sure they're just going to be stunned at if if this goes as planned, they're going to be stunned at the at the product. 
That is the objective. Yep. <laughs> well, I've, I've been ta- we've been talking with Doug DeGroote today, who is the former chairman of the grounds committee of the Minicotta Club in Minneapolis, which is about to undergo a regrassing of its fairways and greens. I want to thank you for spending some time with me today. Thank you, Anthony. Delighted uh, to be with you. And enjoy uh, enjoy the Open. Uh, you'll be watching on television, I'm sure. I always do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you've been listening to the Renovation Report on TurfNet Radio. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.